Awesome. Are you ready? Good. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, as we're talking today about supernatural prayer. And the title is, Miraculous Commands, the Blind See and the Deaf Hear. How many people here today have been used in miracles? Just lift your hand in the air. I've seen a miracle, seen a healing. Well, quite a lot of you, because you're KTites. Hallelujah. But often out there today, we don't see the power of God in the way that we'd like to. Often believers, we read about it in the Bible, but we don't see it. And I don't know about you, but I want, I want to see the power of God. I want to see God move, and you need to, to step out by faith. And it all comes to, down to your relationship with God. Amen? It comes down to your relationship with God. And a sense of calling as well, a sense of God calling you to, to operate in the supernatural, to believe God. Because when it comes to prayer, really, prayer is, is communication with God. And when we communicate with God, often God will speak to us things. And when God speaks to us, then we can either speak those words out. Um, I don't believe that miracles can happen or miraculous commands can happen if you just imitate people. That might take you so far when you copy a preacher. But it's got to come from your personal relationship with God. God tells you to do something, and you speak it out, and it happens. Why? Because you know when God's doing it, then miracles are going to take place. Often when man's doing it, we're just seeing somebody doing activity. They think, well, where's God in this situation? So it happens because of your relationship with God, and prayer is about you being close to God. Here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, and Jesus gets up and he reads. Now, this reading is all about destiny. It's a proclamation. It's a fulfillment of the scriptures concerning the Messiah. So Jesus gets up there and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Notice the focus there is on the Lord. The Lord has anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am not the miracle worker. I'm not the healer. I'm not the one who has anything in myself who can command miracles to happen. Jesus is the one. The Spirit of God operating through our lives is the one who does the miracles. Now, it says he's anointed me to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Notice that the anointing is there to heal people. So if God's in your life today, if God is really in your life, then you know that miracles are going to happen. God's going to be speaking to you because God loves to heal people. He heals the brokenhearted. Some of you here at the baptism, you'll know that God heals the brokenhearted. God, you, and you turn to God. You may have had a broken heart. You may have went through a difficult situation, but God's a healing God. He's a restoring God. And when we turn to him, he restores us because that's what God wants to do. It's the same like last week when we were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you might be here for the service. The evidence of the baptism of the Holy Service, the baptism of the Holy Service, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wake up, Christian. Come on. Hallelujah. The baptism, it's the holy ministry service tonight, by the way, 7 o'clock. The evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Prophetic speech. So we know if somebody has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the sign gift is that they prophesy or that they speak in tongues. Something happens to them. We pray for some of you today that you'll receive that gift of tongues. The same when the Spirit of God comes upon you, something's going to happen to you. You're going to preach. You're going to shout out. You're going to be excited about God because the Holy Spirit is filling you. And secondly, you're going to be involved in miracles. Hallelujah. You're going to be involved in healing people. Because the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
There is freedom. So if the Spirit of God is moving freely in your life, He's going to be speaking to you. He's going to be starting to minister to people, the hurting and the broken. It says to recover the sight of him who is blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, we know this in Jesus' ministry. Jesus was filled with God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And how Jesus, in Acts 10, it says, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Everybody say power. Power. He was anointed with power, with the Holy Spirit, who went about doing good and healing. Healing all that are oppressed by the devil. So if Jesus was anointed and Jesus was filled with the Spirit and the evidence of Jesus' ministry was that he was healing people. He was opening the eyes of the blind. Miracles were happening. And in fact, many people followed him because of miracles. They saw the miracles. They heard of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And they followed him because of this miracle working power that was operating through his life. I want you to turn off to Luke's gospel, chapter 19 here. And we'll, we'll read, read it together as you're following. Verse 19. And they were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him. For power went out from him and healed them all. So Jesus was anointed. He he healed some specific people, but then he healed all people. In fact, everybody who touched him was healed. And then turn over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, and verse 15. It says it again. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. He healed them all. So Jesus operates in healing. I want you to turn over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, where you see Jesus speaking a word over a man who came to him to believe God for the healing of his servant, the centurion's servant. And here in this passage of Scripture, you, you'll see how Jesus spoke, how Jesus was a man of authority. And that's when it comes to the context of prayer. Miracles happen when we pray. Or You could say miracles happen when we speak out. Prayer is about speaking out. I had the the opportunity uh, on Friday to see my grandma. She's 94 years old. Bless God. And uh, she's still skipping. Hallelujah. And uh, I said, is everything all right, grandma? She said to me, oh, things are not good. I've got cold. I thought, welcome to the club. We've all had cold. But she still, I expected to say she couldn't walk, she couldn't talk, she couldn't this, she couldn't that, because that's what you expect old people to do. But she's still strong, because we've been believing God for a healing. So I took Judah to see her, and we got some pictures taken. And I said to Grandma, I, I want you to pray for Judah, because I don't know how long she's got. So I said, I want you to pray. And she, she, she was just about to pray, and she, she, I mean, she used to speak out loud. She used to pray out loud. She said, you know what, I'm not used to praying out loud. I thought, well, that's the first time I've heard that. I said, Grandma, I need you to speak out loud because I want you to speak the blessing over my son. So then she got more confidence and she prayed a blessing over, over my son. You know, when people are speaking blessings over people, it, something needs to come out of your mouth. That's what prayer is. It needs to, some of you might be here where you're not used to praying out loud, but God can give you that unction. But it's, there's something about speaking out God's word that has authority to create a miracle in a situation. So here in Matthew 8, now, This scenario wasn't brought about by Jesus. So let's understand today that nobody came to Jesus and said, you know what, Jesus, we we need a miracle. We need a miracle of authority to write in the Bible. 
All right, so we need, we need Matthew 8. I think we're right in Matthew 8. We need the faith of the centurion. We need some sort of example of you speaking to somebody and a miracle will happen. So none of these things were orchestrated. Not like today, it seems, where you know, many people might give testimony on the stage, but it seems like a bit of a show. So this wasn't a show. This was something that happened in the life of Jesus. And a man came. Why? Because his, his servant was sick. Let's read it together in Matthew 8. And verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. Speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out to outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. As you have believed, let it be done to you. And his servant was healed at that same hour. Hallelujah. So here there's a, there's a context of Jesus speaking a word. Now, he didn't have it in mind at first to speak a word of authority. He said, I'll come and heal him. Why? Because Jesus, again, he loves to heal people. Now, if you're sick today, Jesus wants to heal you. Why? Because Jesus was anointed to heal. In fact, if the Spirit of God is as any believer here today, the Spirit of God wants to move in healing in your life. He wants to move in restoration. So we see that Jesus responding because of the anointing of God upon his life. He was anointed to heal. The Spirit was moving him. He said, I'll come and heal him. I'll come to your house. I'll, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion says to him, you know what? You don't need to come to my house. Because I understand something about prayer. I understand something about you. I know that you're a man of authority. I know that you have the authority over sin. I know that you have the authority over sickness. I've seen you at work. I've seen the dead raised, the blind eyes. I know there's something about you. So all I need is for you to speak the word and my servant will be healed. Why? Because I said, I'm a, I'm a man under authority. I have a job. I have to command people. Go and he goes, come and he comes. I have to do these things. So I know if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And we see in this passage straight away, Jesus spoke out the word. He spoke out the word and the servant was healed at that same hour. Now, how many people believe in immediate miracles? That's what we believe in God for. When you speak something out directed by the Spirit of God, when God's moving in your life, you're anointed for that situation, you can speak things and things will change. Amen? Now, I remember being on the street uh, one day and one of these guys, you know, you're usually on the street and how many people know if you've ever been on the street, it can be quite difficult. Any, any case, evangelism. And, you know, if you've ever been in a, in a context of witnessing to somebody or trying to get to that place of, converting them for one better word or getting to that place of prayer and you're not sure how, I've worked out something that the best way to get someone to get to that point in their life where they're ready to receive Jesus is the moving of the Holy Spirit. Because you've said all that you need to say. Get saved. Jesus died on the cross. The wages of sin is death. You need to sort your life out, mate. Whatever it is, all this stuff. And still the person will not repent. They will not turn to God. Stubborn as a mule, they will not turn to God. And then I found, I said, you know, can I, can I pray for you? And I pray for them. And suddenly, during that prayer, the Holy Spirit melts them. And something happens. I remember being on the street 
And one of these guys, he came with a friend in the middle of Leicester Square, and he was, he was standing there, he was listening to the preaching. There was no crowd, just him and his mate and the rain that was left on the floor after it poured down. And we were preaching, and this guy was with his mate, and he was listening to this preaching. And uh, he was, his mate said, you know what, let's just go. Now, they were going to a club somewhere, as you would do if you were there in Leicester Square, or to a restaurant. And he says, oh, come, ignore these crazy people. And... Uh, a woman who was next, next to me, she was so anointed by God. She was in prayer, and she was praying for the evangelism, because we're praying for people to be saved. And she pointed at that man, unknown to that man, mind you. The man didn't see her point. And she said, in the name of Jesus, I arrest you in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know what that means in English, in fact. I don't think she was taking the man to prison. But what she was saying in Pentecostal language is that she stops that man in the name of Jesus. That that man would not go. He would stop, and I'm sure out of her heart, she meant he would get saved. Well, something unusual happened when she spoke those words because this man melted. He melted in such a way. He ran to the front, which was not a church, by the way. It was a crate. This guy was pretty. He ran to the crate, and he said, Oh, my days, I'm a backslidden Christian. My wife's a Christian. And tears are streaming down his face. He said, I need to become a Christian right now. I remember, I was only 19. I was shocked. I thought, I don't know, what, what do I do? What do I do now? I've been praying for people to be saved. What do I do? This man actually wants to get saved. Because I was that shocked. Why did that happen? Because of the Holy Spirit movement. There was the Holy Spirit and the word that was spoken out of this woman's mouth. This man was going to leave. He was distracted, but she spoke out a word of prayer. She said, I'll rest you in Jesus' name. And suddenly, bang, this man got convicted. Now, that's how you get someone saved. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. It's by the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, I would sense today that some of you in prayer, if you believe in God for supernatural prayer, I mean, we're not talking normal Church of England, Anglican, liturgical, boring prayer. Powerful prayer. Engaging with God type of prayer. Filled with the Holy Spirit type of prayer. That's the type of prayer that I would like to operate in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's turn over to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, where Jesus talks about moving mountains. It's interesting in this passage that a lot of the, the moving of the mountain is, is about speaking to the mountain. Now, probably most of us here today, when it comes to prayer... We're not speaking at situations, we're speaking to God about it. And if we're honest, we're probably speaking to other people about it as well. Oh God, why didn't you do something about this situation? Oh, you know what, God hasn't answered my prayer yet, I don't know what's going on. This person is doing my head in as well, he's very difficult, my boss, I don't like him. And we're talking about the situation, but we're not actually speaking at the situation. We're not applying the word of God to the situation. We're not coming before God and saying, God, I need a word. I need something to happen. I need you to give me a scripture. And now I'm going to quote this scripture over this situation because I believe by speaking over the circumstances, something's going to change in Jesus' name. Now, you may be sinking right now in a difficult situation, but you need to rise above that and, and start to go over your, your circumstances. One of the situations when Peter walked on water, which I learned the other day, and uh, it's interesting when you kind of go over scriptures, you don't learn that much. Now, Jesus was walking on the water, but what you don't realize, before that scripture, and before Peter walked on the water, Jesus went to the mountain. Anybody read that? Jesus went to the mountain first. He went to the mountain, he was in prayer, 
And the disciples were there on the boat. He sent them on a journey. And they were in a storm. And Jesus was on the mountain. And when he came down from the mountain, he didn't actually come down from the mountain of prayer. He arose on the mountain of prayer. And he was up there spiritually. So when he actually came down the physical mountain, he was walking amongst the waves and the wind with the disciples. He was above the circumstance. He was above the situation. And when we are in prayer, we need to realize that we need to rise to our own mountain in prayer. Rise to realize that we have authority in prayer with God. Remember the faith of the centurion? Jesus, you have authority. I recognize that you have authority. Lord, I'm going to join with you in your authority to get victory in this situation. That's what we need to do. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Or the correct translation there is have God's faith. It's God's faith working through our lives. Now, a lot of Pentecostals, the focus is on us. We do the miracles. Well, that's not true. We, it's true from one sense, it means it's our hands. It might be our voice, but it's God who's doing the miracles. God is doing the miracle. In fact, God, if God's not doing it, it's not going to happen. So have God's faith. So it's our faith, our little mustard seed of faith, that couldn't move a mountain. The little mustard seed. Match with God's faith. That can move mountains. Hallelujah. Have God's faith. For surely I said to you, whoever says to this mountain, says, speaks to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So here in Mark's Gospel 11 verse 22, the emphasis is on speaking to the mountain, not talking to the mountain. Remember what God said to Moses, you've been around this mountain long enough. Because what were they doing in the Old Testament? They were just walking around the mountain. Look at how great this mountain is. Whoa, look at how great this mountain is. Look at how great this mountain is. Yeah, speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. You know when they were walking around the walls of Jericho, probably on the sixth day, they were pretty tired. Thinking, what is going on? Joshua's told us to walk around Jericho six times. In fact, we're going around seven times. And on the seventh day, we're walking around seven more times. What is going on? We're not going to defeat the enemy this way. You can imagine them getting exhausted and getting tired. But when they shouted on the seventh day at the time that Joshua commanded them, what happened was the walls of Jericho, what? They came down. Why? Because they shouted. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today, sometimes you need to shout. For you Methodists here today, hallelujah. You need to shout, get excited, shout at your situation, speak to the mountain, say, in Jesus' name, mountain, you're going to move in the name of Jesus. It's in the speaking, it's in the believing. Now, Jesus goes on to say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I want to say today that if you're going to be involved in miraculous commands, if you guys here who are just starting out, getting baptized, being involved in supernatural Christianity, not boring, religious, and there's a long list of things that we could say right now on that. But supernatural relationship with God, Christianity, it's all to do with believing. Believing in God. Believing who God is. Believing who Jesus is. Now, turn over to Mark's Gospel 16, verse 15, where you do see some promises of signs and wonders. Promises of signs and wonders. How many people want to be used in signs and wonders? I want to be using signs. I wonder if, if Jesus is alive, I mean, if he's resurrected from the dead, then there should be miracles happening. 
Because he's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered sickness. If he's resurrected, and we know he is resurrected. So for all of us here right now, God has miracles waiting for you. He has miracles waiting for you to witness to people, people who are ready to be healed, people who God wants to move upon. Mark 16, the promise is for believers, believers who speak the word. Now, let's look at this for a second. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who... Say it again. Believe. Believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And the Lord, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received them to heaven at the right hand. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now, I want to say this today, that signs are not there to be worshipped. Miracles are not there to be worshipped. In charismatic circles these days, it seems like miracles are there to be worshipped. Why? Because what we see on God TV and what we see in services is that we see people coming on the platform. Say, oh, hallelujah, I had a bad back for 20 years. Oh, hallelujah, I'm healed now. They were, oh, did you see today this person was healed in the service? Man came out of a wheelchair. This man who had a blind eye for 10 years, he was healed. Glory be to God. Now, we don't see this in the Word of God, do we? We don't see Jesus bringing people and showing up. In fact, in the Scriptures, we see Jesus actually saying to people, listen, don't talk about that. Don't tell people that opened your eyes, by the way. Keep quiet about it. And then someone would go out and start shouting about it. So we've got to be very careful in terms of church culture But one thing that is certain, that these signs will follow those who believe, and these signs are there, or miracles are there, for the gospel itself. To prove to people that Jesus is alive. Because he says there, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know that word preach is the Greek word caruso. It actually means to shout out, to to herald, to shout out. So you've got these people going out, shouting about God, and God says, if you go out and shout, and you go out and believe, you go out and speak, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. There'll be signs that follow those who believe. So miraculous commands are there for people who are ready to preach the gospel, to present Christ. Now, I believe that if there's somebody sick here today, you can bring them, the believers, gather together, lay hands according to James chapter 5, and you will be healed. But in the gospels, usually, probably 99, if not 100% of the time, miracles are there in the context of the gospel, the good news that Jesus is alive, that the kingdom of God is here, that it's now. Jesus said, repent, turn to God, for the kingdom is now. It's here. Miracles are happening now. Your life's going to be changed now because Jesus is here right now. It was in the context of the gospel. Now, turn over to Luke's gospel, chapter 9, and you'll see how Jesus gave commands to the disciples that he was training now, my prayer for people who are being baptized today is that you will not stop in your Christian faith. You will take the next step in your Christian faith, which for the rest of the people here, and I know probably all of you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The next step for you is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So get baptized, get filled with the Holy Spirit, the ever since of speaking in tongues. The next step after that is to know what the church is about, understanding the church. Now, it's not just a building, but it's the people. 
And as you understand that, you'll join what we call a small discipleship group that helps you move forward with God. And, and for the guys, I don't know when the next women's encounter is, but there's a men's encounter in June, and there's another men's encounter on the 12th of July, and you guys can move forward to the next encounter and get, receive the Holy Spirit. But here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, remember, signs and wonders are in the context of the Gospel, in preaching the Gospel. Now, maybe it is today that if people are not preaching the Gospel, or if church is not preaching the Gospel, that's why there's a lack of signs. That's why there's a lack of evidence. If the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues, then the evidence that the gospel is real is signs and wonders and the supernatural. God brings signs and wonders and says, hey, Jesus is Lord. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. Luke 9 verse 1. And he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Do you see the parallel there? He, he gave them authority. So this authority wasn't just stirred up. Like you were sitting in your seat today and you read the Bible and you said, you have authority. This authority that was given was delegated authority, meaning the authority came from Jesus. Jesus had the authority and he gave that authority to these disciples. And he said, go out and preach. And heal the sick. So it was given authority. It wasn't my authority. It was Jesus' authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Also, the evidence of this authority that was on Jesus is the proof that these disciples went out and as they preached, miracles took place. That was the evidence. So if Jesus has authority, so in verse 6 it says, So they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing Everywhere. Healing everywhere. That was the command of Jesus. He gave them power and authority. Let's turn over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. And we see another example here of, of the disciples. In verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. And then in verse 7. And as you go, preach. Here we go again. Preach. He didn't say, go and heal everybody and get people up and give testimony and have people walking out of wheelchairs and make it all look good. He didn't say that. He said, go and preach the kingdom of God and then the kingdom of heaven and heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So you go out, you tell people about Jesus, and you minister to the sick. Now notice there that the people doing the healing were disciples. Everybody say disciples. They were disciples. Now what is a disciple? The Greek word for disciple is the word metetes, which means learner or follower. So these people were not just congregational members. They weren't just church attendees. They were disciples. They were under Jesus' authority. And because they were under Jesus' authority, they had authority. They went out and they did miracles. Now, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, you can turn there, we see not just the 12 disciples, but you see 72 others that Jesus was given miraculous commands to. He was given these people miraculous commands. He's saying, go out and heal people. Here, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, and verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So the context here is that 
Jesus is about to do something in the lives of these areas, these cities, these towns. And what does he do? He sends out 72 people. He said, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to God to send out laborers into his harvest. And then in verse 9, he says, heal the sick. Say to them, the kingdom of God is at hand, has come near you. So he gave them a command to heal the sick. And in verse 17, they come back rejoicing. (laughs) They say in verse 17, the 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority. Everybody say authority. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus gives us authority. Now, we read in the first scripture that the man had recognized Jesus' authority. I want to tell you today, you can't operate in healing and miracles unless you recognize Jesus has authority over sickness. And secondly, that Jesus has given you that authority, that you're walking in that revelation. These were disciples. I believe that if you're going to operate what Gabriel's written down here with this title, I would would say great miracles. I believe everyone can move in a measure of healing. Any few of you maybe can have a gift of healing. Or a gift of working of miracles. And everybody, the priesthood of all believers, everyone can be used in power. Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll receive power. We don't know the level of power, but through the Gospels, you only see a few people operating this level of power where blind eyes, deaf ears, cripples are walking, dead are raised. In fact, most of the miracles that happened in the Bible were done by disciples or leaders or prophets. There isn't even an example in the Bible that a congregational member was operating at that level, although God can do that, and we see that today as well. There is an example where the disciples were complaining one time. They would say, hey, some guy is casting out demons in your name. What are we going to do about him? Is he with us? Is he against us? And Jesus said, you know, if anyone's cast out demons in my name, he's obviously with me. He's obviously with me. So there's only that one congregational member. The rest of them were disciples. Why? Because disciples recognize the authority. They're under authority. They're under the spiritual authority. Colin mentioned it this morning, being under the spiritual authority of KT. Now we know, what does that mean? Well, I know that this church was birthed in miracles. There's a miracle anointing. There's also a pioneering anointing, a breakthrough anointing on this church. So if I submit to the leaders of the house, put myself under the vision, join a cell group and become a leader and serve the church, then I know that that anointing that God's placed on the church will come upon my life. And I want to tell you today, if you are a member of Kensington Temple, it's your inheritance. Miracles are your inheritance. Healing is your inheritance. Breakthrough, speaking to those mountains and seeing them removed is your inheritance. Why? Because that's what God's called us to do here in the church. Now, God's got a different emphasis for other churches, we thank God for their gifts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that each man has his gift. Some have the gift of healing. Some have the gift of work and of miracles. Some are prophets. Some apostles. Every person has a useful gift in the Bible. But here in KT, God specifically anointed us to break through and to minister in healing. But I want to say, if you want that inheritance, you've got to submit. Not a nice word, but to put yourself under. Become a servant. Jesus said, if you become great in the kingdom of God, you've got to become, be, become the servant of all. 
servant of all, just like the Son of Man did not to come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So these disciples here in Luke 10, they were under the authority of Jesus. They went out and they healed. And as they healed, they had authority to heal people. Why? Because they spoke to these sicknesses. They laid hands on people. And the authority that they were operating in came from Jesus. Now I want to conclude by saying this today. Five, five things I want to say. Number one, if we're going to be used in miracle power, if, we're going to, if our prayers are going to be miracle prayers, they're going to make a difference. Number one, you need to understand the authority of Jesus Christ. To understand that Jesus has authority. Number two, you need to understand that you are part of Jesus' team. Jesus sent them out in twos. They were part of Jesus' team. As they went, they were united with him. In Mark 3, it says Jesus called them to be with him. So before they did anything, they were with him. They were with him for three and a half years, building friendship. But they were with him for a period of time. And then he sent them out at the right time. Number three, the purpose for miracles is for the preaching of the gospel. To give evidence for the gospel. And number four, it's about being close to God. It's about being close to God. When you're close to God and you know what's on God's heart and the Spirit of God is moving through you, then miracles are going to happen in your life. Let's bow our heads in prayer right now as we're going to move forward in the baptism. I'd like the keyboard player just to come right now. Now, I don't know about you, you might need a miracle in your life today. I've been talking about these verses, about miracle power. Jesus giving authority. Jesus speaking words, even in the offering, being persistent. And I want right now, before I give an opportunity for people to be a Christian, to have forgiveness, I want you just to pray right now. If you need a breakthrough, if you need a miracle, I want you just to lift your hand right now to the Lord. If you need a miracle, and just begin to pray in tongues, if you have the gift of tongues, and you just begin to cry out to God for a few moments right now, that the inheritance and the promise that God has placed on the church would come upon your life today, and that as we've been discussing these scriptures, that, that the power of God would start to flow through you. That God would minister to you right now in the name of Jesus. That Jesus that we've been talking about would heal you. He would heal you because he's the Lord who heals you. He heals the brokenhearted. He opens the eyes of the blind. He unblocks deaf ears. Maybe you've been deaf to God today. Maybe you've been blind to God today. Let God just open your eyes right now. I say, blind eyes, be open in the name of Jesus. Deaf ears, be open in the name of Jesus. Hard hearts, be melted in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray, release your healing right now in this place today and restore lives. Restore lives. Just receive his presence right now. Say, God, turn around my life. Turn around my life. I want to see breakthrough this week. I want to see breakthrough this week. Begin to speak to the mountains in your life. Begin to speak to the difficulties in your life right now. Father, we say turn around. We command these mountains to bow down. We command valleys to be filled in. We command crooked places to be made straight. Difficult situations be sorted right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, answer our prayers as we cry to you in Jesus' name. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Maybe it's today you don't have the greatest miracle of forgiveness. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. If you're in this place today 
and you say, Christian, you know what? I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I need forgiveness. I don't, I'm not born again. I'm not a Christian. I don't have Jesus in my heart. If I was to die right now, I know that I wouldn't go to heaven. Because there's areas of my life where I'm not right with God. But you can have peace with God right now. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And then I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. If you're sincere, you pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to respond today. To confess Christ. I'm going to pray this prayer right now. If you need forgiveness, I'm going to pray with you. Pray this prayer in your heart right now. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you right now and I know that I need your forgiveness. Jesus, will you forgive me? I ask you to forgive me right now. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life and make me born again. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as my Savior. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and you rose again on the third day. And this day, I choose to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your kingdom. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you prayed it sincerely from your heart and you need his forgiveness, I want you to just lift your hand right now because I'd like to pray with you right now. Lift it high. When you lift that hand, you lift it to heaven. So lift it high. Let heaven see that hand because something about confessing Christ that seals your decision. Lift your hand right now. If you're in this place today and you want to say, I want to recommit my life today. I want to set a seal. I want to recommit my life. Lift your hand high. I want to pray with you right now in the name of Jesus. Now, everyone who's lifted your hand, I want you to stand on your feet right now and I'm going to pray with you in Jesus' name. Everybody who's lifted your hand, just stand right now. Let's give them a hand as they stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together right now. Lord, we thank you that you are the Savior. So we ask you to save right now. You have the power to save. So release your power right now in the name of Jesus. The power that destroys every burden of sin, every guilt, every condemnation, every fear. We break it right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you to cleanse these people right now from guilt. Cleanse them from sin. Renew them on the inside. Make them born again. I want you who are standing to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. And today, I choose to follow you. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. Father, thank you that you're the God who saves. Father God, so we pray, set your seal upon this commitment today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give Jesus praise right now. Hallelujah. Now, for, for everybody who's standing, I just wanted to take a step out of your seat right now. There's somebody standing next to you. I want to take a step out of your seat because we'd like to give you a Bible and pray with you. So if, if you can go right now, just in the back, I don't know where we do consolidation. In the welcome room, okay. So we're going to spend a few moments with you right now, give you a Bible, pray with you about that decision. And if you, if you lifted your hand, there's a lady there to go there right now. We'll bring you straight back in today. Um, if you're with somebody and want to see the baptism, just talk to them briefly and uh, we can speak to you after the service as well.